outdoors take us to summers away or winter adventures and afternoon getaways. Your dedicated Fidelity Advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential because doors were meant to be opened. Visit fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimum supply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, boring question. How much is gas there? Erin, uh, last I filled up my tank, it was four fifty nine a gallon for unleaded Cash, not credit. Oh my goodness, that is so much cheaper than it is in California. It was like six twenty-five at the cheap gas station where there's always a line. I've seen people reporting live from gas stations in LA. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not cheap, and uh, there's a lot of people who have to drive here. We kind of planned the whole city around driving, so uh, it's not great. Not great. I feel like there's all these signs from the universe or signs from circumstance. Uh, that we should be driving less as a society. Gas prices are crazy. Uh, everybody prefers to work remotely. Yeah, totally. Good point. Why don't we just, I feel like driving less might be the solution. Um, I'm for it. I don't love to drive, so find me ways. I'm, I'm for it also, uh, but I do love a road trip. So I hope the gas prices come down in time for the next one. <laughs> This week, we're joined by Megan Gailey and Stacey London to tackle the following questions. Can the worst Karens in your state really make it illegal to travel to other states for medical care? Why is menopause so under-discussed? And who deserves your ire when it comes to high gas prices? All this and more right now. Okay, let's get to the news. Alyssa. Mm. It is with a heavy heart that I report that the Republicans are at it again. They are the busiest bitches in politics. They're busy at at not helping anybody. That's the thing. Like, they're busy making laws that nobody asked for and help nobody instead of doing what they should be doing, which is govern their fucking states. Nefarious as hell. It's extremely nefarious. Thank you. Extremely nefarious. Um, So there's a new wave of laws uh, put forth, of course, by conservatives who are, again, not governing. They're doing this instead. Um, Conservative lawmakers across the U.S. are attempting to restrict access to abortion and gender-affirming medical care for trans youth by allowing lawsuits to be filed against anybody who helps them. But now they're trying to make it so it's illegal to travel across state lines in order to obtain that care. What do you make of this? Do you think, are these like enforceable laws? No, I mean, they're not enforceable. I mean, Jesus Christ. It's unconstitutional to restrict interstate travel, right? But also, I mean, Erin, it is like all of these Republicans, I don't know, during COVID didn't have a lot of places to go. So they sat home watching episodes of Dog the Bounty Hunter and they're like, you know what? This is the way we should do politics. Let's just eliminate everything that everybody can do and let's try to put bounties on them and be like anybody, anybody. I mean, they did this with SBA. They're trying to do it with this law, which is like, if you see someone go into a Planned Parenthood and you can see through the window and see who the receptionist was, you can charge that person as, uh, I don't know, a felony, whatever the fuck it is they're trying to do here. But it is it is incredible to me that this is, I mean, look, we have the Supreme Court to thank for this because they didn't want to address SB8. And you said it, Aaron, because you're a fucking witch. You said it then, we talked about it at the time, that this was going to spread like wildfire to all kinds of other things. Yep. And uh, guess what? You were fucking right, except it only took like two months instead of two years for it to start happening. Right. So the Supreme Court is going to have to unfuck that at some mm-hmm. point in the near future because otherwise we're going to have just like this nation of 
bounties. Um, yeah. I think California is attempting, I mean, and, and from the liberal side too, California is uh, was attempting a law where you could sue somebody for having an illegal firearm, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, you know, I, I think there's a lot of stuff that we should be able to sue people over. If we can just sue willy-nilly. Like, you should be able to sue a church for preaching politics from the pulpit. You should be able to get their tax-exempt status revoked by suing them. Yeah. I think. Why not? I mean, if if it's le- if it's constitutional to just be an enforcer. Like, everyone wants to be a goddamn cop. I thought that we had shamed Karens out of existence. But no. no all we no. did was give people ideas to make Karening a way of life. It's true. And I— I just don't understand it. Like, you know, and, and I'm, I've am i got some problems with the gendered nature of Karen. I also have some problems with the fact that it rhymes with Aaron. So when I give <laughs> my name places now, I have to be like Aaron with an E so that people aren't like, there's a Karen here. <laughs> um, and, uh, but but like, speaking of, of Karens, uh, I wanted to, to flag one particular oh, Karen. She's a bad Karen. Her name is Terrible Bad Karen. Bad Mary Karen. Li- Mary Elizabeth Coleman. Mary Elizabeth Karen Coleman, the Republican state representative behind a bill in Missouri that would make it illegal for people who are pregnant to travel out of state to get abortions. Um, She's been trying to figure out how to stop people from getting out-of-state abortions since Planned Parenthood opened a clinic on the Illinois-Missouri border in 2019. She's a mother of six, and she has had two nannies to help with her children. Two. Two nannies. Um, Mary Elizabeth Mind your own fucking uterus. Yeah. Mind your own uterus. Like, you want six kids? You want to, you know, hire two nannies to help with them? You go for it. I'm pro-choice. I believe that is your right. I hope you're paying your nannies well. That's But, like, also, could you imagine, Erin, the problems on this planet that could be solved? If people like Mary Elizabeth Karen Coleman put their energy towards solving actual problems, I mean, she literally says in this article, like, I have been working for years to figure out how to track people across state lines. It's like, what? (laughs) What? Yeah. That's what you have a nanny come over so you can free up your time to think about that. It's just like the worst, the worst kind of person. Least empathy. Yeah, least, no empathy. Least ability to to solve actual problems. Um, you want people to have fewer abortions. Improve the conditions under which people become mothers. Right. Go after maternal mortality. Go after black maternal mortality, which is a shameful public health totally. problem in this country. You want to, uh, you know, make it so that that mothers have go go for family leave. Do something. 76% of people across party lines believe in paid family leave. If paid family leave existed, it would be a lot more attractive for a lot of people to have children, to have more children. I know people yeah. that, have, that have stopped having children wanted to have one or two more, but can't because they can't afford it. They don't know how to take time off from work. They don't, you know, teachers are buying short-term disability yeah. insurance in order to afford to stay home with their babies for more than six weeks. Like, there's so many... Get a better cause, Coleman. Get a better cause. (sighs) It's like if you... It's like trying to fix a leak in a roof by making it illegal to repair the leak. You know, like, it's just just getting... It's, I don't know. It's it's a not very well thought out analogy, but I'm... This makes me black out with rage. So... The thing is, these laws that are denying trans youth gender-affirming care and attempting to prevent them from traveling across state lines to do so, which is unconstitutional, mm-hmm. and attempting to prevent people from traveling for abortions, also unconstitutional. I think, you know, like with a lot of insane laws, they're not expected to go into effect, but right. rather slowly chip away at the Constitution, slowly chip away and create precedent where, you know, maybe in five years, one of these is going to hit the Supreme Court and some part of it is going to be upheld. Okay. And then we'll take that and build from there and build from there and build from there. That is the, that's the Karen way. Karens play the long game, man. I mean, they're not always just they you know, play the long game. And also any of these bills even being discussed, like some of them aren't becoming law, but the one in Missouri passed through the house there like with flying colors. And it is enough yeah. to confuse people who live in these states about what the actual state of their ability to get reproductive care is. 
Yeah, and Missouri's got bigger problems. Wasn't their governor, like their recent governor, like a full-on sex criminal? Something like, like that. And now he's trying to run for Senate. Like, get your house in order, guys, please, because— Stop trying to cross state lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let, ugh, okay. Um, so let's move on uh, to another story. Uh, we have a toast this week. Do have a toast. We have a toast, and I can't do it. Yeah, I can't either. I tried okay. so hard. Marina Ovskianikova. I think that's as close as we're gonna get. And Marina, no disrespect. No, we're here to toast you. So we're just here to understand. Toast you. It is a long name with Russian consonant combinations that I'm not used to pronouncing. No. Especially from sight reading. So apologies for the mispronouncing of the last name. But on Monday, Marina appeared on the set of Russian state TV's flagship channel, Channel One, basically the Fox News of Russia, uh, on their evening news program chanting, Stop the War and denouncing government propaganda. Um, It was a huge moment. Before she stormed the set of Channel One, she recorded a video message in which she said her father is Ukrainian and her mother's Russian. She described the war in Ukraine as a crime and urged Russian people to publicly demonstrate against it. She's an editor-producer at Channel One, so she's not like an intern who— No, this is her livelihood. She took her career and lit it on fire for this, and— um. She said, unfortunately, I've been working at Channel One during recent years, working on Kremlin propaganda. I know I'm very ashamed. I'm ashamed that I've allowed the lies to be said on TV screens. And I'm ashamed that I let the Russian people be zombified. Zombified. So what happened to Marina? Marina was fined. She was seen in a Moscow court and she was fined 30,000 rubles, which, Aaron, is about $280. That's not very much. It's not very much. It feels like we should watch this space because Mm -hmm. I feel like this is not the last thing that may happen to her for doing something so in the face of the Kremlin. But um, Or maybe the Moscow court was like, you go, girl. (laughs) Yeah, maybe we got to get Marina out of there. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Get her out of there and get her maybe a, a haircut. A dye job, not that, not no slam on her looks. I'm no, just saying. no, she may just want a different look. Give her the witness protection treatment. Put her in a in a town where nobody would expect to see her. Um, probably in Iowa, I think would be a good spot. Yeah, for her. I think she'd like it. Climate's about the same. Yeah, yeah. Is it? I don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> I was like, I feel like maybe that would be more Great Plains. But yeah. I was like, oh, Aaron, you're being pedantic. You're responding. Oh, no, I was just making it being- up. Okay. Um, but yeah, get her get her somewhere safe. Let her live a, a, a nice life. You know, I'm sure there's local news that she could edit and produce in Iowa. Totally. Where she doesn't have to, like, run on the stage. Yeah, yeah. But that's a big toast for her. She really risked a lot to send that message to the Russian people. And she's a good reminder that there are a lot of people in Russia who are not yeah. behind what the government is doing. And um, I, I— I really, my heart goes out to them because it must be just very heartbreaking to witness your government performing such atrocities. To feel like a prisoner in your own country. I feel like it's really important to remember the Ukrainian people are being subjected to horrible inhumanity by Russian troops. Russian people are not all behind Correct. That inhumanity. So, Marina, a toast to you, and I hope that you're just one of of several brave people in Russia who are using their platform to stand up against uh, the government. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we have got a really exciting segment. The most exciting conversation on menopause you're ever going to hear. Ever. Ever. And that's a promise. Not a promise, but that's a prediction for now. Women's History Month should acknowledge the complicated, the messy, the countercultural, the revolutionary, the boat rockers, the overlooked. But it often doesn't. And so in that spirit, we bring you this third episode of a month-long set of minis on women you should know. And we're calling it Madam Hysteria. This week's Madam Hysteria is Barbara Faye Waxman Fiducia 
a sex educator and disability activist whose life's work was devoted to showcasing the full humanity of people with disabilities. Barbara Waxman was born in 1955 in San Francisco. After a diagnosis of muscular dystrophy, her parents were told that both she and her brother would not live past the age of 30, but live she did. Over the course of her career, she fought the stigma that people with disabilities were asexual beings by working to promote access to reproductive health care. She wrote and spoke frankly about sex and sexuality being a key component of self-worth for many people with disabilities and even lobbied Congress to change rules that made it difficult for them to marry and qualify for government aid. At her wedding to Daniel Fiducia, another disability rights advocate, the couple drove their wheelchairs over a bubble wrap covered dance floor for their first dance. Those who knew her say she was a flamboyant dresser who loved her body and gave off queenly vibes in her chair. Fiducia died in 2001 at age 46 after leaving an indelible mark in the way many people with disabilities see themselves. And now you know. Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just lying on your couch, enjoying the fact that your two-year-old child is leaving you alone for five blessed minutes. I love that for Viore. You know what? That seems like a real perk of Viore. (laughs) It is. It's perfect. It's cut perfectly for lying down and just savoring a moment to be left alone. It's great. (laughs) Five stars. No comment. 100% great. That's the type. That's my favorite sport. The new, the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own. Grab one of these new colors before they sell out and check out the women's daily legging, which features a high waist drawstring tie and upgraded no slip fit. All things that are absolutely essential in a legging. Essential. I love these leggings. They are, because you know, like not everybody's the same, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like, I need a little bit more room around my booty. So I, size up a little bit, but then it's usually too big in my waist. And so now I just, just pull that drawstring and I don't show, I don't show any crack when I bend over. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. See, you have your baby and I have my butt crack. (laughs) (laughs) For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy lined athletic short out there and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Oh my gosh, Alyssa, my brother, who I have given Viore performance gear to. Won an ultra marathon over the holidays. I saw that. That is so incredible. He ran 80 miles in the freezing cold. I don't think he was wearing his Viore core shorts because that would be dangerous. Dangerous. But, but he he loves wearing them to train, and uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud. Viore played a role in his ultra marathon win. <laughs> Uh, plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to fiori.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And welcome back. Alyssa, question to kick off this segment. Yes. When was the first time you remember being aware of menopause? Like being aware that was it was a thing. When my mom started getting a little salty. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my grandmother like whispering about it to my mother. And when I came into the room, they were like, shh, shh. She can't, she can't know. Like, it was like, but then again, I mean, I live, I grew up in a house where nobody told me about sex. I had to learn about it same, from, the, same. from the encyclopedia. So it wasn't like my mom sat me down and was like, this is what happens. You're going to have a period for many years and it's going to suck and then it's going to stop. And that's also going to suck. Welcome to womanhood. I never got <laughs> that. I never got that talk. And I also think that it's a topic that isn't really discussed in the context of sex education or a body education in general. Um, And we're going to get into why that is and what's being done to fix it today. 
I'm super excited to welcome our two panelists today. First off, you know her, you love her. You can see her on the Roku original, This Joka. She's in episode nine, alongside Will Smith, as what? in the guy who kept rescuing the planet in the 90s in blockbusters. Wow. And he's and he's and he's winning awards now over and over again. And I think he'd be an excellent voice for menopause awareness. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, how are you doing? You look great, by the way. Thank you. I'm about five weeks away and um, you know, I'm at that point where he's pressing on my ribs, pressing down. There's no space for the Taco Bell I want to be having, but I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> oh, man. I feel like at that point in pregnancy, a baby is sort of like, you know what those compact car only parking spots yes. in California? And they do it. I'm sure they do it everywhere. But in L.A., it's really, really bad. Um, sometimes you'll park in one of those and you'll come back and there'll be two Escalades on other, yes. either side of you. You like eventually your body. You're like what? You're you're an yeah. Escalade in a compact spot. This yes. is this is ridiculous. There's um, a Hummer inside of me right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, solidarity. Um, <laughs> when I was about where you were, my daughter was doing constant like Cirque du Soleil stuff, like to the point that it was terrifying. So uh, I know how it feels, and it'll be. You'll be on the other side of it soon. So he's going to be great. Um, and up next, we are so excited to welcome Stacey London today. You may know her next guest from her legendary run as the co-host of TLC's What Not to Wear, the show that during its run from 2003 to 2013 captured the ethos of the post 9-11 early aughts, belts and statement necklaces. Belts and statement <laughs> necklaces. She's a stylist and author of two books, Dress Your Best, which she co-authored with Clinton Kelly, and her memoir, The Truth About Style. She's now the co-founder and CEO of Shop State Of, which is a personal care brand focused on the symptoms of menopause and perimenopause. Welcome, Stacey London. So excited you're here. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, we are thrilled to have you. I'm going to start with you since you're our guest, and um, I want uh, to hear about your new venture, um, your personal care brand focused on menopause and perimenopause. Why did you decide to focus on this? And can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, because I got sick of belts and statement necklaces and pointing toe <laughs> shoes. I mean, how many times can you say the same thing over and over again? Um, no, it was really that, you know, my my own experience with menopause was very difficult. And as you said earlier, no one told me shit about it. Excuse me. I hope I can curse. Oh, yeah. But, you can, okay, you can. great. Because, all you fucking want. <laughs> right. Okay, good. Because really, there is nothing. Curse words are essential if you're talking about menopause. But anyway, um, you know, it was a very difficult time for me. And and in a lot of ways, it was a weird time for me in TV. I went out to pitch a new show about midlife and transformation. And I pitched all over two crickets, two white men sitting in a room at a long table to crickets. Just nobody was interested. They said that nobody would watch anything about middle-aged women. So I really got very frustrated by that. One, um, I think that's bullshit. But two, it really made me think about, well, if I'm whatever, if I'm aging out of television or if I'm like, you know, I don't want to be a real housewife and I don't want to throw things or I don't want to be in a competition show, how am I going to serve the same kind of community that I was serving on what not to wear and certainly the television shows I did after that? How was I meeting the needs of that community? What, what was I meant to do? And really, COVID had a lot to do with it because I, I really had, a, we, we all had a lot of time on our hands. And, and aside from, you know, kind of our collective grief and sense of loss, like it really was a moment to pause. And strangely enough, the, the Google analytics for menopause went up, like questions around menopause went up 350% in 2020. Of course they did, because you were home by yourself thinking, what the fuck is happening to me? <laughs> so, you know, I, I felt very strongly about um, this company that I had beta tested for. Shop State Of is our handle on Instagram. The name of the company is State of Menopause. Oh, okay. and. Um, and for me, I had beta tested the products. I knew they were starting out as skincare, but before they launched, they went in a different direction. They decided they were going to sunset the brand. And I was like, no way. This is a long-term big vision. It's not just about skincare. It's not just about hair care. It's not beauty 
per se, and it certainly has nothing to do with anti-aging, but we try to make acute rapid relief products. So when you are having a hot flash, we have a cooling spray. If you are having joint pain, we have a joint pain lotion. If you are having extremely dry skin, we have a whole boatload of things for that, for your body and for your face. And, and to be honest with you, I knew something was wrong the minute I looked in the mirror and I was like, I don't look like myself. I don't feel like myself. And the most important thing was that I don't know what the hell to do about it. And, and frankly, it was a real journey for me. Like I went to my doctor and I was like, what is happening? I'm mood swings. I'm crying. I'm anxious. I'm depressed. I'm angry. My skin is like falling off. It's so dry. My jowls are melting into my neck. My ass is melting into my knees. I have brain fog and insomnia, food allergies, like you name it. I had it. Mm -hmm. And I remember my doctor who's been my doctor for, since I was 23, said to me, oh, it's menopause. You'll get over it. And Mm -hmm. hormones were not an option for me because of other health issues. So two things happened. One, I realized that I stopped discounting my symptoms as anything real because my doctor had dismissed menopause as something not to get that worked up about or that it wasn't going to affect me in any particular way. And eh, you know. And who else did I have to talk to? Well, my mom is always, your, your mom is the best predictor of when you'll go into menopause. She had a radical hysterectomy, so I didn't, I couldn't really ask her. And she did not even talk to me about her menopausal symptoms after her radical hysterectomy. So I really started doing my homework. And I thought, you know, we need more companies that are focused around this issue, because just as you said, This is part of the lifespan of hormonal health. I don't even call it reproductive health because frankly, to reduce a woman to her reproductive health is such bullshit. So -hmm. the idea that this is our lifespan of health, that this is sort of the biggest, uh, well, it's not the biggest, it's sort of the last big hormonal challenge that we um, as people with female reproductive parts are going to face. So why aren't we talking about it? Why is it this taboo, scary, stigmatized subject? And what I realized was all the time that I spent telling people how to look good to feel better, I was like, shit, you're going to have to feel better in menopause if you're going to look better or feel better. You need agency over what is happening to you. And for some people, look, you may skate through it. Or if you can take hormones, that may be very helpful to you. I'm all for HRT, bioidenticals. Take them if you can, because they do help. But there are a lot of people, A, who don't want to take hormones, B, you know, Uh, can't because of health issues and C, don't have insurance or doctors or money to afford hormones. And this is happening to 52% of the population. In 36 months, there are going to be a billion people in menopause. That is 12% of the world's population and the population of China. So where where are our answers? Where's our education? Where's our community? And it's not just around menopause, right? We have to talk about it in terms of when menopause is going to hit you chronologically, which is between 40 and 60, this kind of like dead zone of, of lifespan, which would not matter very much if we were dying at 60, but we're living till 90, till 100. What are we doing to A, safeguard our health and B, figure out what the hell we want to do with this like amazing extra 20 to 30 years you now have on your life plate? Mm-hmm. Alyssa, I noticed you nodding a lot. Oh, uh, God. What what came to mind? <laughs> what came to mind as as Stacy was talking? So a couple things. One, Stacy and I have known each other for a long time, and so yeah. this her products. Couple things. I started feeling so things they don't tell you. If you don't yeah. biologically have children, you can go into perimenopause a lot sooner than the average bear. So I started getting hot flashes when I was forty two or forty three. And the first time I had a really bad hot flash, I was doing a public event. I was doing the Netflix For Your Consideration event for Dead to Me. And I was sitting between Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini, and I was dripping sweat, dripping. And Linda turned, she's like, are you okay? Are you nervous? I was like, I'm not fucking nervous. I'm having a hot flash. And you know what? I'm so glad that I said it. Because Christina Applegate, who had gone through menopause already because of her cancer, she was like, girl, I'll give you tips when we're done. And all of a sudden, at least by talking about it, I felt better about it and I didn't feel like ashamed. But to Stacey's point, it's like 
it's like our entire lives. It's like we, it's like we're adults and we're Kate and Allie. And then we have to fast forward to Frankie and Grace. There is no (laughs) point in which we talk about what is happening in the middle. And for me, like Stacey, I have noticed so many changes. My skin is so dry. The state of menopause body butter is incredible. (laughs) And this is not an ad. I pay for my shit because I don't let my friend give me free things. But like, it is. This is true. I've tried. You try. I'm like, no, my periods are worse. My brain, my forgetfulness is actually a thing. And it was so bad during COVID because Mm. you're just sitting home. You don't have distractions to how you're feeling. And the hot flash, you can't like, you know, I would go outside. I'd walk around a little bit. I actually went back and I was like, there must be some television show that's going to entertain me about what's happening to me. The Uh only full episode I could find about menopause was all in the family when Edith goes through (laughs) the change. That's the only one. That is the only one. Okay, let me just say that was my only reference. And all I remember is that little quiet Edith yelled at Archie. That's what I remember. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly the same memory. That is hilarious, Alyssa. And, you know, this is the thing is like, it, it is a dead zone right? We're starting to see change in the media. We're starting to see things like, you know, dare I say, and just like that, but really more for me, somebody somewhere, I don't know if you guys are watching this with Bridget Everett. We're starting to talk at least to middle age, if not exactly menopause, we're starting to talk to this time in the middle, which is actually quite complicated. And Alyssa, you and I both, we did not have children, right? But at this stage, you may be dealing with children. You may still be, you know, in child care, so to speak, or their empty nest syndrome. But on the other side of that, you've got elder parents or elderly parents and elder care to worry about. Or, you know, sadly, in some cases, we're losing our parents. So Mm -hmm. the whole thing about being in this middle section of life has always been difficult, right? 45 to 55 is the highest rate of decreased earning potential for women. It is also the highest point in a woman's life for her to be depressed. And I don't think those things are by accident. I think our plates get fuller and fuller at this stage. And menopause is mother nature's like biological fail-safe. Basically saying, okay, you're taking care of everybody. You may be where you want to be in your career, whatever. But now you got to take a pause, literally, and take care of yourself. Refocus and reclaim yourself. And I think, you know, I say that and I already hate myself because it sounds so woo and like, you go girl. (laughs) And I don't believe in that because I want to be a cheerleader for people, but I also don't like to sugarcoat the experience of menopause being difficult and tricky. And I think about the fact that we would never allow young people to go through, you know, getting their period or, you know, menstruation without some kind of explanation of what's happening to you. Not that you're bleeding and going to die. You know, our our Mm -hmm. families did tell us that, but I didn't have the sex conversation either. And Mm -hmm. menopause, I mean, menopause was like, I thought it was optional. So the (laughs) idea that like, you know, there's all of this misinformation going on about something that is going to happen to all of us, that we felt that we weren't able to talk about it with our mothers or our mothers didn't feel they were able to talk to us about it, has to do, I think, a lot with the fact that we are all carrying this internalized, stigmatized shame through a patriarchal lens. I mean, we are embarrassed to get our period. We're embarrassed to carry tampons to the bathroom. We're embarrassed not to get our period. We're embarrassed, you know, not to take tampons to the bathroom. Meanwhile, I'm like, save all that money and buy earrings. It's fabulous. <laughs> like, there, there are so many ups to this, right? But but what I what I don't like is that I feel like all of this has to do with the fact that just having female reproductive organs means you are going to have much more complicated hormonal reactions. Our, our hormones are always up and down, right? Why do you think men call us hysterical? It's mm-hmm. only because their hormones stay relatively stable, right, throughout mm-hmm. their lives, even as mm-hmm. they age. So except for, you know, maybe testosterone, but hey, there's Viagra for that. Where's well, Viagra for the I ladies? Mean, yeah. And it's like free. Yeah, exactly. And the whole point of this is like, there are two major symptoms for men at the same age, erectile dysfunction and hair loss, right? So their midlife crisis is we get hair plugs, we take Viagra, we buy a sports car and we get a younger girlfriend, right? This is also the highest rate of divorce for women, this Mm -hmm. stage of life. So it is a very difficult thing 
to manage and, and not know anything about. And I think the biggest thing about creating this company was one, to have products that I could walk into communities and be like, having a hot flash, here is something you can use. Not mm-hmm. just, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you five doctors you should go and see or whatever it is. That there was something in the moment that you could have on your nightstand, in your medicine cabinet, in your bag that would help you when you are experiencing something. And you know, what Alyssa was saying about having a hot flush may not feel like a big deal, right? You know, okay, so you're sweating, but you're pouring sweat. You're and pouring it can happen sweat. in the most in like kind of tricky circumstances where, yeah. listen, if you hadn't felt like you could have said something, you know, imagine like sitting in a boardroom with like it a gets bunch worse. of guys. The it anxiety you get from mm-hmm. the heat flash makes the heat makes the hot worse. flash worse. Yeah, it really does. That should be menopause's tagline. It gets worse. It gets worse. <laughs> well, you know, it, it really should. But it, I mean, somebody, a little millennial clapped back at me on Instagram saying, uh, you're using scare tactics to talk about menopause. And I was like, oh, I wish I was was using scare tactics. I am using prepare tactics because what I realized is that if you have knowledge of an experience before it happens to you, it impacts the way you experience it, right? And you're not doing mental gymnastics to figure it out. Yeah, Stacey, the prepare tactics thing really, really resonated with me. Um, Because speaking of hormonal changes, I had a baby in November. Megan is about to have a baby in like a little over a month. Yeah, all the mazels, guys. All the mazels. Thank you so much. (laughs) But it was was one of those experiences that— you know, there is a, there's a line between scare tactics and prepare tactics, but like pregnancy is a dramatic change. And what happens afterwards is like, is dramatic. The hormonal changes in the five days post-pregnancy is like going through puberty all at once. Um, and it's, it's wild. Like the way that hormones can totally change your perception of what's going on around you. It doesn't make you necessarily irrational. It just makes like the threshold of emotionally responding to stimuli lower. Right. And and also just the idea of irrationality in that case, like it literally, if you know anything about, you know, sort of female reproductive organs, that idea that you're being irrational is not actually true right? Mm -hmm. Your body is doing exactly what it has to do in order to be able to carry a child. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, the, the sort of leveling off of hormones, that's part of it. Nobody Mm -hmm. talks about, you know, we're just, let me rephrase, we're just starting to talk about postpartum and possible depression. We're just starting to talk about infertility, but even in the way that we talk about it, we're using such loaded words like performance and success and mm-hmm. failure. We, we put women through the ringer no matter what they're doing, whether mm-hmm. they have kids, don't have kids, whether they're, you know, talking about being sex positive or, you know, they, they're not allowed to talk about it at all. We are literally Madonna and Bore at every stage of life, including menopause. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, menopause and hormones at that time, especially as you're aging, you're getting the one-two punch, right? Of feeling like you're not feeling like yourself, like you don't look like yourself, all the things that I was saying before, which is scary. And that's part of what aging is. And that is what part of that acceptance is. But you're Mm -hmm. also being hit with a bunch of hormonal fluctuations that make you feel exactly the way society is, you know, you're mirroring what society is giving you is that that external validation is gone. It's external invalidation in a lot of ways. Well, let's let's visit what you said, Stacy, about people starting to talk about things. Like Megan and I are like a little bit younger than Alyssa and Stacy, and I feel like the change is happening like in the like cusp of the Gen X millennial generation. Yes. Megan, yes. what what's something that you've noticed that people, the women are actually talking to each other about that maybe when we, you were younger, you were like, I've never heard women talk about this before. I mean, and and I feel like I come from a family of medical professionals, women that were, you know, my mom showed me slides of STDs on a snow day. Like she was like very oh open. What a fun snow day. I mean, oh yeah, oh. it was great. It was like, can yeah. I go to school? Exactly. Um, it was, and, and this still has been not something super, super talked about. I feel that way with pregnancy when I would be like, yes. this fucking sucks. And people were like, Oh, I, 
had heard it was beautiful and, or or they're like, yeah, it did fucking suck. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I know a, a, a man who I love dearly had testicular cancer. And so based on his treatment, he was taking medicine that was basically mirroring menopausal symptoms. Wow. And yeah. seeing him, I was like, damn. Like my mom was like, he's going through menopause basically. Yeah. And it was like, and it felt so much more severe because I was seeing a man go through it. Exactly. And I'm like, we've been hiding. Right. right. They're not biologically meant to handle it. So it, exactly. is, it is very difficult. I mean, the, the one thing that I just wanted to say, Aaron, because I feel like this is so important. You know, what are we talking about that we weren't talking about before? It's why I have so much hope when I look at Gen Z. Now there are, you know, there are pros and cons to every generation, but when you look at what Gen Z is doing in terms of dismantling the discussion around race, dismantling the discussion around gender and sexuality, we are starting to see an openness about our bodies from a completely different lens. And I truly believe that Gen X is the last generation that is going to deal with this kind of stigmatized shame about around all of it, to be clear, like, Mm -hmm. you know, period companies and really being able to say, Good pregnancy, bad pregnancy has nothing to do with your worth as a person or how valuable you are as a mother. This is just what happens. And I think that menopause is also going to start to be, oh, when Gen Z gets here, they'll know exactly what to do. They'll buy my products. You know what I mean? (laughs) They'll know that this will have been sorted for them in a way that it hasn't been because previous generations before us were really you know, there really has only been this binary idea of the way, you know, women and men interact. And men have absolutely, you know, and I think women have bought into this idea of like what attractiveness means, what intimacy means when, you know, if you can no longer have children, does that make you less sexy? No, that makes you not fertile. But if we're talking about sociobiology and like lizard brain, sure, you know, you're not useful the way you used to be in society. But we're so far past that, we need to start talking about it differently. We need to start thinking about it differently. There are like much bigger issues here than just like a hot flash. You know, we want to make sure that women are claiming their their own sense of themselves in middle age and not being like, I'm irrelevant or I'm unattractive because some you know patriarchal lens has always told them they're sort of past their prime at a certain date. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Because what we're hearing is 40 is the new 20, 50 is the new 30. And all of that really is not taking into account that we might be going through a massive um, body change. A thousand percent. Yeah, I'm sitting here like, oh, shit. Yeah, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, like, no, I'm, I'm like, 50 is the new 50. But it's, yeah. it is the new 50, right? It's the way we talk about the golden girls being in their 50s and the just like that girls in their 50s or J-Lo in her 50s or Jen Aniston in her 50s. I'm not saying that we look like J-Lo and Jen Aniston, but the idea is really that 50 doesn't look the same. 50 doesn't feel the same. Our generation is going to make the 50s and 60s and even 40s really matter. And the two of you, who have, Megan and Erin, who've had babies, just had babies, you're my target, to be honest. <laughs> because I want you to know whether you have more kids or not. The next phase is what you should be prepared for. And there are so many things you can do to guarantee that you have a better experience when you go through it. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the one of the other co-hosts of the show who isn't on today, Kieran Deal, she and I were having a conversation one time and I was talking about how exciting it is that you have like this whole life to build your brain. Like you mm-hmm. can learn forever. Like you don't have to. And I, and I feel like a lot of women, female identifying people, um, a, a lot of us like are internalize this idea that our worth expires at 40 or at menopause. And like, I, I think I internalized it too, because there's a part of me that like, hadn't really pictured my life after I turned 45. And I realized that (laughs) when I turned 35, I'm like, wait a minute, what am I going to do from 45 onward? You know, it was like, you have all that time to like, build your brain up. You have all that time to have experiences. You have all that time to be in your body. And I don't think that like much of the messaging around middle age, middle age, quote unquote, for women uh, includes that idea. Alyssa, like you're somebody that I look to as someone who's like always growing, always learning. And like, I just, I would love to hear you talk about like what you're excited about as you like 
keep moving toward 50? Like what's, what's the next thing for you? And like, has there been a turn in the way that you view life after 45, um, in recent years? Totally. I think that when I was younger, I've told this story a million times and I think I've told it multiple (laughs) times on this pod, but when, uh, when I turned 35, one of my coworkers at the White House was like, hey, Mastro, you're AMA. And I was like, what's AMA? He's like, uh-huh. advanced maternal age. He's like, I saw it on CNN. And I was like, oh, my God. And it really, it really, and you know what? I appreciate, I took it in the spirit in which it was intended, <laughs> which was that he thought he had learned something about women. And yeah. I was, and he was like sharing it. And I was like, God bless. Um, yeah. oh, but for it. me, <laughs> it's like when anybody says like, oh my God, Alyssa, 40 is the new 20. I was like, please don't. Because I would never take 20 if you gave me the chance ever again. I, when I look at my life, I mean, not for nothing, you guys. It's a little sex in the city. It's like when Carrie said, the 20s are for making the mistakes, the 30s are for learning the lessons, and the 40s are for buying the drinks. Fully, fully cosign. Like, (laughs) my 30s were better than my 20s. My 40s have been better than my 30s. And when I say better, I mean, I like myself more. I accept myself. I think that... Um, you know, I let my hair go gray because guess what? It didn't quote unquote age me. It's who it I am. Looks my hair awesome. is great. It, it I also know. looks awesome. Thank I you. I mean, I've always been a big proponent. Of I that. know you have, but mine didn't come. <laughs> Stace, my, I thought mine was going to come like yours and I did not have a cool stripe. I had a mullet of white hair. That is hilarious. Mine is starting to come in kind of like yours, Stacey, and it has always oh. been my aspiration. It's like coming in right here, and I'm not yeah. doing, I'm not going to do anything Don't to touch it. it. Don't touch it. Don't Wait touch see it. what happens. Listen, one of the other things that I loved about what's happened in the last couple of years you know, with the pandemic is watching all of these women say, I'm going to go gray. Like, I'm tired. I, you know, I can't get to my hairdresser. This is not worth the time. And recognizing the freedom in letting yourself go gray. I mean, it's mm-hmm. also like letting myself, I'm not wearing five inch heels ever again. I spent 10 ever. years doing that mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but the other thing about COVID for me was that, you know, and I, I don't know if it's, um, if it's inappropriate to say this, but what I will say is that when it first happened, I did not take it very seriously. I remember March 13th, the last photo shoot I did, and then the world shut down. But I remember thinking this is only going to last a couple of weeks. I don't know if anybody else was in that mind frame. But <laughs> I was supposed to get married in May. I was supposed to have a <laughs> yeah, huge okay. wedding in May. And we were okay. like, oh, it'll be fine. We're going to have our fine, big right? wedding. I was like, I, I mean, I remember saying to my girlfriend, like, don't worry about it. Like, it all just means we get this like three week vacation. Enjoy it. Right. Before shit got really dark. And um, but one of the things that it really did do for me and I did find to be a blessing was, you know, I'm 52 years old. I was 51 when I acquired what this brand was at another company and I've repositioned it and started to change out our products. Um, I never thought I was going to start a company at 51. It never even occurred to me that I would do anything except some sort of job in television and fashion. And Mm -hmm. it did not occur to me until I realized that the jobs that were available to me in fashion and in television no longer held any interest for me. That's a big and scary thing to realize at 51, right? I'm like, who's going to hire me? It's not like I can walk into like Goldman Sachs and get a job. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I don't want private clients. I've been styling my whole life. What do I do? How do I serve what I see to be as a woman's sense of self-acceptance and self-esteem? And, you know, what's so great is what Alyssa was saying, that I really do believe in your 40s and in your 50s, you start to become who you really are. Mm-hmm. had enough time on earth to kind of play the field, you know, be slutty. And I, I mean that in every sense, not just sex, mm-hmm. but you know, that whole idea of like, you know, flirting with disaster. But what's so interesting to me is that like that idea that I was always going to stay in that one point, I thought I've made it right. I'm on mm-hmm. television and I, I'm a spokesperson for all these brands. I've made it. It never occurred to me that that would no longer feel like making it. That mm-hmm. there would there would come a time where there would be something more um, important for me to try, mm-hmm. and this idea of pivoting at fifty one, uh, let me tell you, is no joke. I mean, it's not easy. But if I never believed in neuroplasticity, I certainly believe in it now because the amount that I have learned in the last year is astronomical. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, I think it's really important that we start to look at midlife as not a crisis. You may have to have a crisis, right? Because you can be very confident. And then when you start to age and you start to notice your skin changing and you start to feel like you're looking older and you don't know about your gray hair yet and all of those things, it can really rock your self-confidence. It can really rock your sense of yourself. So even, you know, two things can be true at the same time, right? You can feel confident and feel a little bit insecure, a little afraid of aging. All of that to me is part of this process. But Mm -hmm. what we're really offered in this day and age is this entire availability of another act. Mm -hmm. We are now looking at, you know, 50 being really the middle of your life and also a time when you can turn around and say, okay, I had three jobs. That was nice, but we don't live linear lives anymore. It's Mm -hmm. not like you go from, you know, college to your first job to getting married to grad school to getting a better job and, you know, I don't know, having some kids and then retiring in Florida until you die. We're not mm-hmm. there anymore. We, we right. live so differently. And yeah. I see this as a huge opportunity. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, you know, I just wanted to go back to what you were saying about Gen Z and uh, how the kids are, kids are all right. Um, something that I think that something that I think that is really cool about Gen Z is they're breaking things down, including like gender. So, you know, their perceptions of who they are, where they identify on the the kind of continuum of gender is totally changing. So I think that it's really important for people who identify as women who are raised as women and who live as women have the freedom to age. But I'm really curious to see what J- what Gen Z, I almost said Jay-Z, what? what Gen- <laughs> I'm really curious to see what uh, Gen Z does with- With aging. What, with aging, because I think yeah. that it's going to kind of be different. We, we use words like women and female because they're, they're the best descriptors we have for the most right number now. of people that are going through it right now. But yeah, when they're, when when the younger generation is going through middle age, it's going to look different and they're going to come up with their own paradigms, which well, is absolutely. super exciting. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And also, I think that is one of the things that we're, I'm looking to create a company that is here for Gen Z. So mm-hmm. we are very careful about talking about, you know, assigned at birth as female or female reproductive organs, because mm-hmm. I also work a lot with the gender non-binary community in terms of menopause, which, you know, for somebody who does not identify as a woman who has female reproductive organs, that is a very traumatic experience mm-hmm. um, to go through, knowing that this is a reminder of, you know, what your uh, as birth gender was as opposed to who you are. And people who are transitioning to become women or you know to become female who don't have female reproductive organs are already taking hormones that are going to throw them into menopause anyway. Both ways, it's a little bit tricky. And, and I do want to be gender expansive. So I always try to say people with menopause, mm-hmm. right? Because I do think, as, as you say, we are going to have new paradigms. We're going to have new language. We, we don't have the language that we need right now for a lot of the things that we are sort of systemically dismantling, right? We, mm-hmm. we just don't have the language. We've never had it. So that's why I think this is such an incredible time in terms of technology, in terms of our ability as, now I am going to use the word women, to mm-hmm. you know rethink what that means, how we identify, how we determine and reclaim our own sense of value, whether you have children or not, really Mm -hmm. should not be the measuring stick in any way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we need to close this part of the conversation. Stacey, I want you to stick around. Before we go, I just want to point out that the happiest group of people are women who do not have children and are not married. (laughs) As they age, they age like into more and more and more happiness. Um, So congratulations to those of you who made that life choice. That is a that is a good choice. Oh, listen, I have a lot. I have a lot to talk about. The child regard. free. Yeah. Listen, Erin yes. and I are just trying to make conscientious voters. Yes, okay. ah! so, <laughs> we took voters. We took it for the team on this one for sure. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we've got this week's "I Feel Petty."
Did you know that women make up 56% of law students? That's grounds for bragging rights at a dinner table for your conservative uncle who still thinks women belong in the kitchen. It's clear that the future of the legal field is female. So why are so many legal podcasts and reviews authored by men? Hi, I'm Leah Littman. I'm Kate Shaw. And with Melissa Murray, we are the hosts of Strict Scrutiny. Each week, we break down the latest headlines and biggest legal questions facing our country through the lens of diverse voices to give you expert views you won't hear anywhere else. Strict Scrutiny is your guide to the Supreme Court. New episodes drop every Monday, plus bonuses whenever the Supreme Court takes away another one of our rights. Make sure to subscribe to Strict Scrutiny wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. We've almost reached the end of the show, but not quite. We still have some steam to blow off. We still have to tell you what we're feeling petty about this week. I can go first because mine is like an actual petty story about pettiness. Um, (laughs) So my husband, Josh, is um, a big sports fan. Of course he is. His name is Josh. Every Josh (laughs) is into sports. Um, Otherwise, they take your Josh card away and they make you go by Joshua. Um, so Josh is really into sports, but like most sports fans, he's really into making these big sweeping prognostications about things that haven't happened yet. One, I think that talking about sports during the off season is the same as celebrity gossip. And I cannot be told otherwise. It is (laughs) men doing celebrity gossip. Second thing is uh, a petty thing that I really like to do with my husband is I like to, when he makes a big statement that's like totally unverifiable based on nothing, I'll write it down in a note called Josh's Sports. And when one of them turns out to be really wrong, I will pull it up and read it back to him. Oh, so that is petty as fuck. Yeah, (laughs) this is I mean, it's funny because a lot of times it's him him being like neurotic about the Pittsburgh Steelers, his favorite team. Um, But like before the Steelers first game this last year, he said the Steelers will get destroyed by the Buffalo Bills. And like he was immediately proven wrong. Um, But the the latest one that he said was, you know, I love Utah, but Utah is not going to win a championship in our lifetime. He's talking about the jazz. Does Utah deserve a championship? I don't know. So I'm just saying that into the microphone now so that that is on record because I think he's wrong. And I think it's going to be really funny when my pettiness proves (laughs) that he's wrong. That's what I feel petty about this week. Um, Alyssa, you want to go next? Yeah, I feel petty about people on Twitter. Yeah, here we go. So earlier this week, a news anchor tweeted about oil prices and uh, how they were down to less than $100 a barrel. And so all these people start responding to her tweet. And this one man, this nice man, who owns one gas station, replied to her and was like, I can't lower my gas prices till I receive a new shipment, a new load of gas. You guys... What drew me to his tweet was that he had so many replies. So I clicked on him and he had exactly 55 followers. And all of these people decided to ratio this man who owned a gas station and they had no information. They were tweeting at him like he was the chairman of Mm -hmm. ExxonMobil. They were like, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? You're part of the problem. You should stop. One person was like, you should stop selling gas. Okay. You fucking assholes. He, first of all, most mom and pop gas owners make most of their money from pretzels and soda and cigarettes. It's They don't make a huge fucking margin on the gas. And so anyway, I just really feel like if you want to reply to someone that you don't know, just click their bio link. I have to be honest. I'm saying to do it because I do it all the time. This is just a nice man who's on Twitter. I looked at all the things he had retweeted in the past. He's a nice man. And anyway, <laughs> I just felt really fucking gross. And eventually people started supporting him and being like, yo, you guys are being awful. But it is an un... We talk about it all the time. The mob mentality is unbelievable. And the fact that people can't stop, drop, and roll and take two seconds before they're like, let's try to ratio this mom and pop gas station owner into oblivion uh, is repulsive. And I think people should do better. Yeah. My only exception to that rule is a person Mm. who's like a really awful misogynist saying something really like- This is different. 
This is different. He was giving information based on personal experience about right. a gas station. Like right. it was. Ugh. Ugh, poor guy. It, it's I'm, awful. Poor guy. If he had tweeted in response to SB8 and said why people should be able to bounty hunt people getting abortions, that would be different. Mm, He'd be taking mm, a political stand. This man mm, was just talking about filling gas tanks. Mm. Oh, we just need a few more SB8s in largely populated states before women are like, you know what? Not going to have sex with men anymore. Not yeah. worth it. <laughs> what no longer happened worth to it. me? They- That's what happened to me. <laughs> they, make, they make great toys. Yeah. You know, they it's fine. Um, okay, Megan, uh, what are you feeling petty about this week? Oh, boy. You, both of your I feel petties were very triggering for me. I've been <laughs> taken over by Novak Djokovic bots on oh, the last no. few days. Oh, my gosh. They have been saying um, prayers for my baby. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I guess my all-encompassing I feel petty is everyone seems like they've lost their fucking mind. Um, and I know that we're like tiptoeing back out into the world. And I just have seen some of the, it's not even worse behavior, craziest behavior. People talking at a volume so loud. A man was saying the twin towers and he was like having a conversation but it was like that's so loud to be yelling the twin towers (laughs) and this was next to a man in a full ghost costume screaming about jesus and i'm like he seems more normal than you wait Um, i'm sorry is this all happening in highland park because now all of a sudden it's a this is happening at at airports, at grocery stores. Everywhere I go, there's someone who is on their absolute worst behavior. And it's like, I think we all just, and it's on Twitter and it's definitely happening in sports. Fuck Deshaun Watson. Um, So it's like, everybody just needs to take, take it. He's a A rapist. There's some massage issues. The thing Uh, is, if, if a woman five weeks from giving birth is having more patience than you, you done fucked up. So <laughs> take a breath. You're going to be fine. I know gas is expensive. I know shit is crazy. Get a snack, get some water, and calm the fuck down. Okay, you know what? That kind of dovetails with this giant, like, conspiracy theory. Not conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory I've subscribed to that keeps getting proven right, which is they did this, like, giant uh, assessment of people's blood, and they found that, like— Ninety percent of people born before nineteen eighty one have like low grade lead poisoning, which oh, causes. Yeah. I remember you telling me this. Yes, yes. which Tell which me. causes in a lot of people um, uh, increased aggression, decreased empathy. So like, there is like a men. reason. Yeah, especially yeah. especially in men, especially in men. But yeah, it causes all these problems, and that's from the gas. That's from people burning leaded gasoline just breathing and that brings up another point donate blood if you can because there is a shortage and they keep contacting me the only people contacting me are the red cross and my weed dealer and it's like (laughs) i can't go to either of you okay so i need other people dealing with them okay that's that's a great tip donate blood if you've got the blood to donate stacy and then get high and then get 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 high And by weed dealer, I mean dispensary, obviously. But they email so much. And it's like, listen, I know I want to get high on St. Patrick's Day. I really can't totally, though. (laughs) Stacey, what are you feeling petty about this week? Oh, God. You know, now I feel like in comparison, my petty things aren't really that petty. Um, I mean, I guess like the one thing that I would say that is driving me, like overall been driving me crazy um, as we talk about Russia and Ukraine is that, you know, our dependence on oil and uh, Alyssa, this kind of dovetails with what you were talking about is like so unnecessary if we just had fucking clean energy. So like, mm-hmm. you know, all of this, like trying to keep Putin, you know, it, you know, stable or like our relationship with Russia stable because we need oil really has a much smarter fix than the one, and you know, anyone is actually discussing. So that, that really pisses me off. Um, but that's not petty. I feel like everybody's pissed off about that. It's like, it's real pissed off. It's not petty pissed off. What I am petty pissed off about is the fact that all women news anchors are forced to wear solid colors. And to me, 
that is just, it, it just reduces any kind of individual style that you can have on television. That would be my petty thing. That's good. I agree. That's really good. good. Stacey, I used to do uh, a lot of on-camera stuff at like HLN and CNN and MSNBC mm. back, in, back in New York. And it was fun. I would wear patterns because I wasn't the anchor. I would just like be, I would be the guest. Um, but I would, I would do Rent the Runway because I would, that way I would have yeah. like a variety of outfits to wear. And I would like, notice like Brooke Baldwin wearing something that I had just like I know she got that I know she got that I know and it's like you would see the same like sometimes if you if you have the app or whatever you'll see um oh I recognize where that's from I know know where that's from um there's um, there's an Amazon dress that became like pseudo famous because it was the perfect weather girl dress and so like (laughs) hundreds of weather girls were wearing it and posting it it. a solid color Yes, of course. Of and course. it comes in like eight different colors. It's got like a little ruching on the side. Oh, I know uh, that terrific length. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Stacy, what's your favorite pattern for like 2022? Do you have a favorite <gasps> pattern oh that you'd like God. to see? Um, well, I, I, I always love a stripe. I mean, I always love a stripe. That's like sort of, I don't know, from the 80s. I, I don't know what that's about. And I'll never say no to houndstooth, but I always find houndstooth is nicer in the winter than the summer. In the summer, it doesn't make sense to me. We always see, you know, florals for spring, groundbreaking. Everybody knows that. But what I really like right now is embroidery. Mm. Like any kind of, I don't care whether what the pattern is, but I love it to be embroidered on something like cotton or silk for spring, I think is gorgeous. Mm. I love that too. Um, I have to learn how to embroider things so that I can (laughs) be sustainable. I'd outsource that, (laughs) Erin. That feels like a job for Etsy. That feels like an outsource. That's that's true. That's true. Okay. Well, that is all the time we have today. Megan Gailey, thank you so much as always for stopping by. Alyssa, thank you for being my ride or die. Stacey London, this was so interesting and so informative. Thank you so much for coming by today. Um, If you like what you're hearing, rate us, review us on iTunes. Please say something nice. Um, You can email us, get in touch, hysteria at crooked.com. If you send us a rude email, we will make fun of it. So make Uh sure that you punctuate and capitalize correctly. And uh, (laughs) there will be more hysteria for you next week. I am from another planet. This nation is our Janet. But these girls gotta fan it. Y2K email and scan it. Don't take no for an answer. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer, and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis are the sound engineers, and our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Thank you to our digital team, Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt DeGroote. <laughs> 